0: It is the only time that we are going to have the same amount of experience behind us as we have possibility in front of us. It, you know, when you're 20, you have nothing but possibility. And, you know, maybe when you're 80, you have mostly experience behind you. So it's this very unique time of life when we can use all the things that we've been and built and, and learned and put them towards building something new for ourselves in the second half. So I I think that is the most powerful time of life there could be.
1: That was coach and writer Sarah Smeaton, explaining why she believes that our midlife is our power years. And you know what? I totally agree. If you're not convinced, you will be by the end of this episode. And if you're already pumping your fist up in the air yelling, hell yeah, this episode will just give you more ideas to boost your emotional and mental energy to turn and power up your midlife even more. So buckle up, my friend. Here we go. You're listening to Second Breaks, a show about life in the middle. My name's Lou Blazer, I'm a former management consultant and IT leader turned writer and podcaster, and of course your host. And there's one thing you should know about me right away, I am not an expert on midlife, I'm on this journey just like you. So together with my guests, we're going to explore what it actually takes to navigate midlife, thrive in it, and turn it into the best phase of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Midlife Cues, a digital publication for the over 40 about getting stronger, wiser, and bolder in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe for free at midlifecues.com. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks. You know, in the last episode a couple weeks ago, I confessed that me thinking about being in midlife, that's a fairly recent thing. And look, I, I know that sounds really absurd because I've obviously been in midlife for a while now. And it wasn't like I was denying the reality. It was just that I wasn't thinking about it consciously until one day I did. And then I realized that part of that subconscious ignoring of this phase in my life had to do with some fears, some unaddressed fears about aging, as well as some unreconciled ideas about What being in my 50s is supposed to look like or feel like? In my teens, I remember looking at people in their 50s and 60s thinking they're done. And I'm not saying done as in finished and there's nothing left in life. I'm saying done as in they've accomplished what they want to achieve in life and that they're now just cruising and taking it easy for the rest of their lives. Oh my goodness, that idea was so starkly different from what I have experienced and experiencing. When I reached 50, slowing down was nowhere near what I was thinking. In fact, I celebrated my 50th getting ready to take on a new challenge, a new mountain as I call it, that I have just decided I wanted to climb. See, about a year before I turned 50, I had decided to leave behind a successful corporate career and start all over again, this time building something that I could call my own. And that's the farthest thing from cruising and slowing down. And I thought, what craziness, such madness. (laughs) When I lifted my head from the sand and finally acknowledged that, hello, I am in fact in midlife, I looked around and found people who are in the same boat as I was as I am people in their late 40s and 50s and 60s doing new things doing different things venturing out experimenting just growing and it was just a wonderful discovery to find a whole community of people doing this my guest today Sarah Smeaton I discovered her on Instagram Sarah is a coach and a writer who is determined to change the narrative that in Midlife and beyond, we are too old to have new adventures, romance, vitality, and health, and to make meaningful contributions. Sarah's messages about Midlife being our power years so resonated with me, and they are such empowering messages that
0: I welcome and cling to. You know, Midlife gets such a bad rap in our culture. And so many of us dread our 40th birthday, dread our 50th birthday, uh, deny our age, try and separate ourselves from the the truth of our age. If you say uh, you're in midlife, I'm not in midlife. Yes. Well, how long do you think you might live? (laughs) You probably are, right? So um, my experience with this time of life is the opposite of that. I have not found it a dreadful time of life. I've not found it an unsexy time of life. I've not found it uh, you know, I've found it quite the opposite. It's fulfilling and it's fun and it's I'm I'm really enjoying it and feeling more like myself than I ever have. And when I use the word power, I don't mean power over. I mean like as if I'm a light bulb that is turned on to my, you know, highest Frequency or free you know, whatever whatever that word is with, with electricity. So um the power years is my shift in perspective. It's my it's my invitation to people to think of this time as not uh middle age, midlife, blah. But no, this is the time when you can be your most powerful self. In this episode, Sarah and I talk
1: about the habits that we can develop to thrive in our midlife. Or as I say these days, rock our middle years. You're going to hear loads of examples of practical application of these habits in our daily lives and how to overcome resistance and challenges as, you know, we all know this. When we experience challenges, resistance, whenever we're trying to build new habits, right? So we're going to talk about that. You're going to hear stories and examples of how we can overcome those things. I would love to hear from you as you're listening to this episode. You can direct message me on Instagram at Lou Blazer. There's an article that Sarah wrote titled Nine Habits to Take Your Midlife Muck to Your Power Years. And uh, there's going to be a link to that article in the show notes. But I connected so much to this article, to the habits in the article, that I wanted to spend some time Digging in deeper. Of the nine habits, there were five that I especially wanted to explore with her. So, one of the things that you said was be the chooser. Yes. So, could you talk a little bit about that? Like, what yeah. do you mean by that? Uh,
0: it might be helpful if I tell you a little personal story. Is that okay? okay? okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I chose a word of the year a few years ago, several years ago now, and it was choose. And it was because I had realized that I was in default sort of autopilot mode all the time. So everything was a should, everything was kind of like a a habit, like habitual or like a prescription. And I was like, you know what? No, I want to be the one who makes my choices in my life. And I I thought, you know, if I can make my little choices, (laughs) then I can make my bigger choices. And I really feel like this is Uh, One of the most empowering things that we can do for ourselves at any age, but especially in midlife when we have been kind of, many of us have been checking off the boxes, the shoulds for many years, right? And like, okay, I did the thing that I was supposed to do and now what? And it's like, well, now I get to choose. Now I get to choose who I want to be. I get to choose what I want to do.
1: You know, it's, it, this is probably one of those things that's cross-generational and also cross-cultural that somehow there is this checklist of things mm-hmm. that we must be doing or achieving to show that we're doing something with our lives. Mm-hmm. And some of those things aren't necessarily what we might have chosen for ourselves. That's right. But I would venture a guess because... This applies to, for me as well. That sometimes you get so used to looking to others that you don't even know what you wa- want to choose
0: anymore. Right, that's right. We 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 outsource our lives. <laughs> right? Yeah, we do. Many. Of so us how do that.
1: you do you do you have like how do I begin to? hear what I want to choose when I'm so conditioned to what my mom would have wanted or my spouse would want me to choose or my kids would want me to do yeah. or you know
0: yeah I would say it's a a process and it's a practice and mm. I, I really do believe it can start with the smallest thing you know do I want to go for a walk or do I want to have a nap And really almost like, you know, what you would do with a little child when you're teaching them how to make choices, like you're giving them, (laughs) right, like some parameters, like, do you want this or do you want this? And then they choose. So it's all I would start there almost like just Uh with the little things that do I feel like stretching or do I feel like jumping around and dancing, like just little things like that. And just being conscious of the fact of where maybe you're not choosing. It's Uh almost like being a bit of a detective. For your own self and go, okay, well, where am I maybe not choosing? What feels like it's not a choice? Where do I feel stuck? Because typically when we feel stuck, we are in some kind of perspective or belief about something that is not necessarily true.
1: I just realized as you were giving those examples, um, I have a very good friend Who does this? I've noticed this when she would probably be listening to this podcast episode, but like, hey, I'm talking about you. (laughs) You'll know who you are. But like, I've noticed this. She does this with our spouse, but she also does this with me sometimes. It's like, for example, if we're going to go out or we're going to go on vacation and we're like, oh, what do you want to do? And she would always say, well, whatever you guys want.
0: Mm -hmm. And so I
1: never know what she would prefer to do because she'd always be saying, well, whatever you guys want.
0: Right, right. And I think that's what in the article I talked about, um, I think it was Tracy Alice Ross who said, I want to be the chooser and that we've been sort of conditioned to be chosen to be, you know, you are, the, will you come and go on a date with me versus like, you're the one I want or like waiting for opportunities to kind of fall at our feet versus really going after what we want. And it, to do that, you have to claim what you want. And that's not easy. That, that takes some practice and that takes some consciousness. So the
1: next one on the habits list that I really fell in love with is declutter your stories. Here's Sarah talking about it.
0: I think by midlife, we have really well, well-worn stories that we're really used to telling and trotting out and like, oh, I'm not athletic. I've never been an athlete. I'm a I'm a sit on the couch and read kind of a gal, always have been, or like, oh, I'm bad with money. Or oh, you know, like, oh, I I'm just this type or I'm that type. And it's like it's just time to look at those stories and say, are these still serving me? Is it true? What how does it impact my behavior when I tell that story?
1: Is it that maybe once once upon a time it was true? Maybe we've outgrown the story. Or Maybe it was never true.
0: Maybe it was just one way of looking at that story and there's 2 billion other ways of looking at it that give you a different perspective. Like I remember somebody once said to me that I wasn't creative. And I carried that around for a lot of years. Oh, I'm not creative. Oh, you know, well, I'm not creative. I wouldn't do that. And and what I have found to be true in midlife is I'm like extremely creative. And, you know, my creativity might not look like their creativity or it may not look like your creativity, but it's my own and it's real and it's a gift. And if I just kept telling myself that story, I wouldn't be creating. I wouldn't be creating. So it would have stopped me. So I had to look at that and unpack it and say, well, what is it really? What am I really talking about when I say that? And how is that maybe not true? And how am I maybe creative? And it also takes other people saying, oh, wow, you're actually really creative <laughs> to, to help you go, oh, maybe I am.
1: Well, do you find, Sarah, that sometimes we, we end up living up to whatever label it is that we mm. set to ourselves? So it's almost like um, if you had said to yourself, oh, well, I'm not creative, then you actually do things that make you not be creative.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like you, I think we you're believe. Proving your story. Yeah, almost, absolutely. Right? Our choices come directly from what we believe to be true. So it's like if you go back to the power years. Yes. Okay, it's an example. So if if my story is midlife is the beginning of the end, it's too late. I'm too old. All my best years are behind me. Then what choices will I make now? Right? Uh, 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 there will be radically different than if I think. Midlife is the power years. Yes. And this is the time for me to come into my own and to like claim who I am and use my voice and be creative and make an impact. The huge difference. The huge
1: difference. That's exactly right. Because what are the ch- if you're if you're thinking that it's all downhill from here, what are the chances that you're going to make a pivot or try something new right. or learn how to podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. I've n- never ever done anything like this, right? Exactly. Exactly.
0: Or make a new friend, even. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, right? Or, or walk a different route. Like, you might just get really stuck in a rut and that's why I talked about the midlife muck in that headline. It's like, you can be in that belief, that belief about this time of life and it will impact everything you do or you can step into a new way of thinking and that. That choice is yours across the board.
1: So next uh, on my list is be curious. Is this about being curious about ourselves or curious about possibilities?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes and yes. I think it's about being willing to not know, to not be the knower. Which is so hard at midlife because it's right. like, am I not supposed to know these things? <laughs> right. We we were exactly just having this conversation and, it, you know, um, she was saying it's very difficult in midlife because we are rewarded. This is my friend, Karen Ward was saying we are rewarded for being the knower for being, having certainty for having the answers. Um, and, and the truth is that's a very limited way to live because it's, Everything is always evolving. We are always evolving. It is so much more freeing to say, I don't know. I'm curious. Like, what is that thing you're talking about? Like, I don't need to know, you know? And you can, you can actually grow and learn that way. Or, or you know, like going out into the streets and like looking around, like, what is that bird? What is it doing? You know, mm-hmm. versus like, I just walk this street every day and I <laughs> don't look around. It's just, it's so, um, I feel like it's quite a, a key to unlocking the magic of this time of life is to choose curiosity. Because the other thing about curiosity, Lou, is that it is the opposite of judgment. Hmm. So it's very hard to be judgmental and curious at the same time.
1: That actually reminded me of something I heard, you know, the author Mm -hmm. Adam Grant said that when he is, it's it's a different application of what you just said, but he said that it, whenever he finds himself in a conversation with someone who has a totally different opposite viewpoint, he immediately uh, tries to go into a curiosity uh, mode, right? As opposed to a defensive right. mode or explaining mode. Immediately, he, he tries to be curious because right. it uh, prevents what you just said. It right. prevents the judgment. It,
0: yeah, because yeah, it's so easy when when we don't understand something, or we disagree with something to be like, or or to make up stories again about mm. it, like, oh, yes. Lou said that to me, because she thinks I'm dumb.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's
0: like, oh, I'm curious, why did what made you say that? Right? Like, yes. it's like yeah. so much more. It's so much more of an invitation. Um, so and we have these inner critic, inner judges that really want to fill in the blanks and fill in the gaps. Yes. Uh, and so the 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 way to get around that is to be curious and to to look at things and say what what is this? Why is this? Who is this? Like yes. what is here for me? What is the invitation? It, it's just for me. It's a much more it's a more vulnerable way of living, um, but it is so much more rewarding. Uh,
1: vulnerable because sometimes you don't know like you're looking like you really don't understand something right so again it goes against the grain of what society has told us that by a certain age you're supposed to know
0: yeah it's it's the the shoulds it's the it's the you know the should I call them the should monsters yes yes right right? like your should monsters is like you should know what she's talking about don't ask (laughs)
1: exactly right right yeah exactly yeah the other thing too that is interesting is the curiosity about ourselves so tying this to something that you were talking about before a lot of us have um proceeded through life in sort of a default mode and so we automatically say something or automatically think one way or the other and you're it and because i know sometimes i experience this like why why do i think that Mm -hmm. where and I surprise myself mm-hmm. sometimes when I allow myself to go there, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, you say something and I feel something and I'm just letting it go, letting yeah. it slide versus, wait a second, why is it that when Sarah said that, I felt this way? right? And I discover part of myself that's like, oh, I never would have known that.
0: It's, it's like such a gift to give yourself to get out of that autopilot should monstery mode. It really is. Because actually, it, it that is the way to become the chooser. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. If you have a should around, um, I, I should, go for, I should yes. go for a walk. I should go for a walk. I should go for a walk. I should go for a walk. <laughs> I should go for a walk. I should go for a walk. Well, it's it's probably not that you don't want to go for a walk, but why is it a should? And so just getting curious about that should and kind of putting it in the interrogation seat. Why are you a should? <laughs> I like walking. (laughs) Why is this a should? And then it's like, oh, do I want to choose something different right now? Or am I going to choose to go for a walk? And then if I'm choosing to go for a walk, it's no longer a should. It's a choose.
1: And it's actually, it makes it easier to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm happy and I'm not dragging my feet. Oh, I should go for this walk. Okay.
1: Let's do some mile marker here. Sarah and I have been talking about the habits to unmuck ourselves into our midlife power years. There were nine habits in the article that we're referring to, but I'm really focusing on five of those habits. For the other four, you're going to have to check out her article and you're going to find a link to that on the show notes at secondbreaks.com. We are down to the last two of the five habits. Next up is the habit of sealing the leak.
0: Everything that we do, everyone we come in contact with, things that we think, our environment, either give us energy or they take away energy. And you can imagine, you know, um, in an old house, there might be little tiny drafts that you don't even realize that are there's, there's like air coming through them mm-hmm. and you're losing a lot of your heat that way, right? Yes. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing in life that people either fill us up or they can take away or uh, you know you can see like a topic of conversation can fill you up like this one right we're so passionate about this we're both like completely energized by it after this call we're going to both feel really great but if we were talking about something else that didn't make us feel that way we might be really tired after this conversation so it's not that you know, we're the wrong people to be talking or anything, but it's just what we're talking about. Or it could be the kind of work you do is draining you. Or yes. it could be the way you're doing your work is draining you. It could be, you know, uh, your, the place where you spend most of your time isn't giving you the right kind of energy. Like there's clutter there or there's something there that's not making you feel good. So there's like ways to just be curious again and look around and say, hey, what does give me energy? What makes me feel great? And what is sort of this almost invisible drainer.
1: I would imagine that it's not, it's, it's impossible to virtually eliminate all those energy suckers, but uh, perhaps to achieve some kind of a balance or knowing yourself that there is a way for you to replenish. Is that sort of what we are going after?
0: I think there's a couple things here. So one is in that one, the seal the leaks is like, it's the invisible ones that you're not aware of. Like, so where is your energy getting drained and you don't even know it? So it's bringing that to your consciousness so that, again, you can choose, oh, having this conversation with this person is probably going to leave me feeling depleted. Is that something I'm choosing to do right now? Is there a boundary that I could put in? You know, hey, I love talking to you, but when we talk about that one thing, I find myself tuning out or whatever, or um, if, if you're finding work is an energy drain. It's like, well, why is it an energy drain? So are there boundaries that you could put in there? Like, hi, colleague, uh, I'm really happy to help you. I have between 1 and one thirty for that. If you need more of my time, you'll have to schedule another meeting, as opposed to like, just giving yourself freely. So a lot of times this is associated with um, sort of that people-pleasing behavior where we're just kind of letting our energy drain out of us in service of someone else, but not in the best way for them.
1: (laughs) So a lot of this is actually uh, awareness, which is, could sometimes be difficult if all our lives we have been sort of tuning out those signals and not listening to ourselves.
0: I, I think it all comes back to the same thing of that conditioning of, and that outsourcing so, not really trusting ourselves, not really listening to ourselves, not learning how to listen to our bodies, our bodies will tell us every time, right? like, yes, I'm into this, like this feels good, or no, this is like absolutely not working for me. Our bodies will give us all kinds of messages, and we are taught just to ignore that, just to put you know just it's something separate. so if your body's doing something, it has nothing to do with your choices. <laughs> it's like completely its own thing. So, um, yeah, it can be really hard to start getting aware. And I think, again, it comes down to just baby steps. Like maybe it's almost like, again, that inventory of what, how do I feel after each thing that I do? Like some people might get really drained by Instagram, but you and I were talking before we hit record about how we follow these great people and how we've made good friends and how it's so it's, it's not always the activity. It's how you do it.
1: Yeah. And I guess the other the other side of it too is, so one of the examples you gave is setting boundaries. So um, I'm thinking about a particular example in my life where there is this one person who I love, but there is this one topic that she loves to get into that really sucks the energy out of me whenever we get into that topic. But because I love her, I just go along with it. And I know that at the end of the hour that we talked, I'm just like feeling meh. Right. But um so it's a matter of just setting boundaries or it's either me saying, let's talk about something else, steer the conversation, something somewhere else or mm-hmm. actually have the guts to say, can we not talk about that today yeah. or whatever? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, I think that there, it's based on the relationship and how strong that relationship is and it's information it's like hey you know I've really noticed something and I got curious about it when we talk about this I end up feeling kind of not great how do you feel when we talk about that thing you know like it can be really again it can be an an invitation into curiosity and getting to know each other better and like Mm -hmm. maybe that's something we should Talk less about, or you know, maybe, <laughs> or, or what do you think it is about that, or right. you know, and and maybe there's things that you want to be talking about that aren't coming to the table because that's occupying so much space in the relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I think I actually want to take up a bit more space in this relationship. Are you okay with that? You know, yes. like,
1: right, exactly. Instead of what's happening is. I'm resenting resenting the time that I'm going to spend with her when, in fact, I actually want to spend time with her because I love her. It's right. just this topic I just don't want to talk about this right. particular topic.
0: Right, right. <laughs> and just to give ourselves, um, for, to trust ourselves to know that we that there is something there that mm-hmm. that is right for us to look into, and mm-hmm. that and actually, if if you're not feeling good about it, you're not really doing her any good talking about it because you're not really showing up. Yes, that's true. You're not able to, right? So it's yes. like the person starts talking, you check out. <laughs> it's like no one's really no winning. No one's really winning. Yeah, exactly, totally.
1: Oh my goodness! And so the last one on my list is this thing, which I think is so important, but also could be challenging for us midlifers, is to gather your community, mm. because and my the the reason why I say that this could be challenging. And this could just be my own projection of things, of Mm -hmm. how it's transpired in my life, but like when we were younger, it's easier to create relationships, we're at work, we're in school, or our, you know, the parents of our kids, you know, there's this natural sort of social groups that we are part of, and as we get older and older, and we're not going to university anymore, right, or some of us have... Uh, got into entrepreneurship and we all know how entrepreneurship could be lonely because you're not part of a corporate structure. Yeah, And so this community aspect becomes more and more challenging, but it's, it's so important.
0: It's so important and it is so challenging for all the reasons you're saying and I agree with you. But I also think, um, especially now, we are now really getting used to finding our Connections online and through Zoom and through technology, right? And so there are so many people out there who may be sharing, you know, asking similar questions to what you're asking, going through, like, you know, you talked about entrepreneurs. Well, there's loads of entrepreneurial communities out there online that you can join, and it's about finding the one that's right for you. Or, um, you know, you also talked about following different people on Instagram. And so it's like, who am I meeting? Who am I finding? Who's um who's doing interesting things what are they offering you know like for example i offer um some free workshops and people come to those workshops and they don't know each other um but but it just feels good to be in the presence of other people who are in midlife and who are like asking some of these questions and getting curious about it and it just it feels so good so that doesn't mean that they're going to be lifelong best friends after an hour with me but it, it's like oh that okay this is possible The thing that you talked about of like, you know, those built-in communities that we have in different phases of life. The thing about that is we don't have tons of choice about who those people are. (laughs) But at this stage, we and especially because you know what we've really I think found in this pandemic is that we can connect technically like online, and there are you know ways to to create community this way. Um, We can start being really deliberate about who we want to surround ourselves with. That's true, right? When I went into my coach training. I found all these other people who were interested in the same thing. And it was really amazing. And I was like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. And then when I started working with midlife women, I started to create community around midlife women. And I just find it's like, who do you want to spend your time with? Who, yes. do you, who, like, who It's not your best friends, necessarily. It's not your family. It's It's like outside of that, who inspires you? What conversations do you want to be part of? What activities do you maybe want to do? So it's like finding workshops that you want to do online. Or uh, like uh, I was talking about my friend earlier, Karen Ward, in our conversation, and she has something called Curiosity Summer Camp. Mm -hmm. And that's an example of what I'm talking about. It attracts curious people. We're curious about different things, but we all share the same kind of orientation to be curious about life and wanting to learn. And so, you know, that's a community. And that's what I mean.
1: Yes, I love those questions that, that you suggested to sort of, you know, allow us to think about community in different ways. So like, mm-hmm. what a, what what kinds of topics do you like, uh, are you interested in talking about? So the way that we develop relationships, um, as we get later in life. Uh, evolve over time and also because technology allows us to connect differently now than, you know, 40 years ago. I wouldn't know how to have met all these people that I've met without Instagram, for example. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, you can, you can, Instagram has a lot of. Negatives, but it's mm-hmm. got a lot of positives. It's so, and mm-hmm. and you know, the idea that you can put in a hashtag and find people with similar interests—that's yes. pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I love what you said earlier too. It's not so much the activity because the activity, someone could be doing the same thing and be having a miserable time. It's what what we do actually, or how we use it, or its per- the purpose that our purpose for going into that activity that puts a different meaning to it.
0: Yeah, and that applies to everything. You know, when we were talking earlier about feeling stuck. Yes. It's like, if I believe I am stuck, I am going to be miserable. If I believe (laughs) I am choosing the thing for whatever reason I'm choosing it, then I will be less miserable.
1: The mantra of Second Breaks is celebrate midlife. And I was wondering, when you hear that phrase, what comes to mind?
0: Mm-hmm. The thing that comes up for me is that I really feel we need to celebrate all the phases of life. I, I come from, from the perspective that nothing is promised. And we only get our age once. And so, And also I really feel strongly that one generation or one age isn't better than the other. Like I don't like all the like kind of rivalry, like Boomer versus Millennial, Millennial versus Gen Z. Like, what is it all about? I don't even know. Like, let's just offer each other our gifts and celebrate where we are because it's all amazing. Like, celebrate it all because we may not get to the next step. We are just getting older is a privilege. I
1: love that angle or that element that you know each phase of our life offers gifts and disc- new discoveries, also hardships and challenges, uh, like mm-hmm. every phase. It's not like one. I mean, I remember when I am in my 20s, s- certain things were h- rough
0: and of tough. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so a lot. Li- it's a So many teenagers are
1: complaining about, like, it's teen- the teen teenagers are difficult. Right? Of
0: course they are. Every, every stage is the first time you're in that, and it, and it brings its own, as you say, challenges and gifts and adventures and invitations, and I just think... We're lucky, we're so lucky to be alive at any yes. age and we should celebrate it all. The thing that I'm noticing about celebrating midlife is there is much more gratitude and appreciation now than there used to be. Um, and so I think if you ask me how am I celebrating midlife, it is that I am not taking it for granted. That I am deeply appreciative for what I have, for who I am, for who's around me, for who I love. And I, I don't take it for granted. I don't feel entitled to it. I, I wanna be present for it. And so it, to me, that is the celebration. At 20, I think I was more defended. I was less vulnerable, less curious, and, and less confident and trusting of my own gifts. It's sort of what made me, me, I, I was not bad in any way. I love my 20-year-old self, but I think I was trying to present what I thought was palatable or good or interesting to the world and sort of hide what I thought wasn't. Today, I am more vulnerable. and I feel more self-accepting, self-trusting, self-confident, and I also am much more aware of what is important to me and how who, like, what makes me who I am and how I can share that with the world. I have come to
1: believe that every stage of our life is an adventure. Every mile comes with its own gifts and surprises and challenges and obstacles. No one phase of life is easier or harder than the others. At least that's not been my experience. And so with that, I embrace midlife in the same way that I embraced the other faces that came before. Maybe even
0: more, because as Sarah said, It's this very unique time of life when we can use all the things that we've been and built and and learned and put them towards building something new for ourselves in the second half. So I, I think that is the most powerful time of life there could be. You can find out
1: more about Sarah Meaton by visiting her website at sarahsmeaton.com or by finding her on Instagram at Sarasmeaton. As always, you're going to find the links and the highlights of this episode on the show notes at secondbreaks.com. If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please share it with your friends. Tell them about this specific episode about Sarah Meaton or about the podcast. You know, you spreading the word about the show helps tremendously in growing our community of thriving midlifers, and I would be so grateful. In the next episode, I will be joined by Janelle Hardy, a writer, an artist, and a teacher who supports people through their healing process through a transformative memoir writing experience. We all have parts of our lives that could use a healing touch. And this episode is going to give us a new way, a new tool for getting to the other side. I don't want you to miss that episode and any of the future episodes for that matter. So now is the perfect time to hit follow or subscribe on whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this episode. Or if you happen to be listening to this on the website, right around the audio player, you're going to find some options for podcast apps as well. But the usual suspects, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, all these places, you will find Second Breaks. Okie dokie, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with Janelle Hardy. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.